I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scan Squad. I'm Patty Teal here again today with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. I think we've got a great show today, don't you, Vicki? Absolutely. We have a guest with us today. This is Michelle, and Michelle contacted me on my fraud hotline about a scam that started with an email. So, welcome, Michelle. Welcome to Scam Squad. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story. And uh, tell us what happened. What what uh, prompted this? What got this started? Okay, it was on October 22nd that the scammers contacted me pretending to be one of my good friends who was on Facebook also. After a brief conversation, uh, she asked, and of course it was not her, it was the scammers, if I had heard of uh, BFAG what she said was the Benefits and Financial Assistance Government Trust Fund. And she knew that my name was on their list too. So she said, do you want the information? I said, well, sure, I've got nothing to lose and maybe something to gain. And so I was told to send Ellen Bradley a friend request on Facebook. I had never heard of her before, but my friend, of course, had said that she had communicated with her. Ellen's asked if I didn't mind going on Messenger to talk with her about this, and I said no, I'd be glad to. And she told me I would receive $90,000 tax-free. I had to fill out a form with my name, my date of birth, my marital status, my phone number, my mother's name, my monthly income, my occupation, and whether I owned or rented uh, a house. And then did I want cash or a check? She then went on to say that the security protocol required I tell no one. I needed to pay $3,000 in order to pay for the liability reduction and certification fee to process the delivery document. And then I'd get the $90,000 check within 24 hours. Wow. Michelle, let me interrupt you for a second here. Sure. Tell me again what that fee was for. It sounds quite official. Oh, everything sounds sounds very official. Sounds official, yeah. yeah. The tax liability reduction and certification fee. Wow. Okay. If I wanted to, I could get six $500 American Express gift cards or a cashier's check and send the money to the cashier, her cashier, 81001. I was to use FedEx or UPS and send Ellen a copy of the check and the UPS receipt. Ellen got the check on October 28th, and I was told I would get the $90,000 check on October 29th by UPS by 1 p.m., On October 30th, the delivery was halted and I needed, let's see, now I needed to pay $9,000 for an affidavit fee to the U.S. Treasury. I said no, but I would send a cashier's check and I definitely would pay no more fees. 
October 31st, they were still trying to get me to pay by cash, and I refused. On November 1st, I sent a $9,000 cashier's check. And at this point, I was beginning to get suspicious, you know, gullible me. I messaged my friend, and they, of course, had taken over her uh, Facebook. So I was talking to them again. Oh, my goodness. And I said, how did you send the the $9,000? Because she said she had had to, too. She said, oh, I got it all in cash, and I put it in the uh, pages of a magazine and UPSed it to them. And I said that, no, I wouldn't do that. So on November 2nd, my check to them arrived, and they deposited it. November 4th, they were waiting uh, for the uh, U.S. Treasury to send them the check. And then on November 5th, they said they couldn't deliver it because there was bad weather. And they sent a phony photo of a FedEx plane with all the writing in um, a foreign language, even a foreign alphabet. Oh, my. And on November 7th, they said the delivery was on the way. They had given me a tracking number, and I uh, was watching the progress And so on November 8th, I actually uh, messaged them and said, you know, what's going on? And they said, oh, there had been just a terrible accident. The people who were going to deliver the check had been in the accident and the driver was killed and the occupants were in the hospital. Oh, my goodness. But the check is safe. And in the hands, and this gets better, in the hands of the firefighters who were the first responders. Oh, my goodness. Oh, what a story. Michelle, when you were contacting them, did you do that through Facebook Messenger? Yes. But the check was safe and in the hands of the firefighters. Okay. The firefighters were charging an insurance deposit Uh certificate fee of $5,500 to insure the check. I resisted and asked why the fire department. The accident was not my responsibility. I asked about uh, the FedEx plane photo at that time, and she said they used a, a private FedEx. But I have to pay the fee because I'm the beneficiary on the check. And she sent me a phony copy of a certificate from the FDIC, and they said the fee had to be paid before delivery of the $90,000 check. Then they tried to telephone me twice and I didn't pick up the phone because I've got caller ID, so I didn't want to talk to them. But on Messenger, I asked for the fire department's number and Ellen told me that, quote, the board is dealing with the fire department and the FDIC on your behalf, end of quote. November 9th, I told Ellen I didn't have any more money. She got back to me and said the board had agreed to pay the fee. This was in the afternoon of that same day. But the FDIC wouldn't let them pay the whole thing because I am the beneficiary, which made no sense to me at all, but anyway. November 11th, I reminded Ellen the board offered to pay the whole fee So I would reimburse them their one half after I got the $90,000 check. I told Ellen I didn't have any more money. She wanted to know if I had a credit card. And I was to send a photograph of it so she could check the credit limit. I said no. And by this time, I had telephoned my friend who told me she never called me in the first place and never received any money from them. So I told Ellen I needed some time to think about all of this. 
And she said that I could go to CVS or Best Buy and get five $500 Sephora cards and send her photos of them. On November 12th, I put them off again. On November 13th, I told them I was working on getting the money. November 14th, I told Ellen I needed the address of the cashier again to send the gift cards because I wanted to see if the address had changed. It had not. November 15th, I told Ellen I was waiting and I was still working on getting the money. I think I even told her I was going to hawk some jewelry. November 16th, I called you, Hickey, and reported the scam. You told me to contact the FBI. On November 19th, I heard from Ellen again, wishing me a good morning. And as I said, I had the whole exchange from October 22nd to November 19th on my iPad. And I'd be glad to share it with whoever could use it. Well, that's quite a story, Michelle. That is quite a story. Let me go back to the beginning. What did they tell you that made you believe you were eligible for this government grant? What did they say the grant was supposedly for? It was for disabled people and for people who qualified under the uh, Older Adult Act. The reason I believed them was because I thought it was my friend right, who had had such a good experience with sure. that I went ahead. That's, that's why. Okay. The thing that's very scary is that they had taken over your friend's account. So when you tried to independently contact your friend, you were actually contacting them. Yes. When did you start to get suspicious? When did you, what was the turning point for you? Um, I think when they asked me for the $9,000. I can understand why you got led down this primrose path, because you thought you were dealing this whole time with your friend. That's correct. You had no clues, nothing along the way to make you think it was anyone but your friend. Ellen was the middle person. She was the agent of the government but she was part of the scam. So my point being, yeah, for a while you were talking to somebody you thought was your friend. And then after a while you were communicating with this Ellen yes. who wasn't your friend. So you wouldn't have been able to pick up clues from Ellen, for example, like, well, that's not something that my friend would say, or that's not something that my friend would do. You, you were no longer talking to a woman that you thought was your friend. So you couldn't pick up those subtle clues that one otherwise might have picked up. But finally, when they asked for the additional $5,000 for the firefighters, was mm -hmm. that kind of when you went, okay, no, this is not right. Well, I was really suspicious back at the $9,000 point. Yeah. And one of the reasons that you picked up on it is when my friend, supposed friend, yes. replied to me about that, the reply from her was in such broken English. And I thought, what is this about? You know, what's wrong with her? But uh, originally, she had told me that she had just had an operation on her ear. And I thought, well, maybe she's on some kind of... Okay. I can tell that there's more than one because some of the communications are really bad English and others are better. Yeah. When we're talking about money, the English is just fine. When we're talking about other stuff, it's not so good. So if somebody else gets one of these calls, and believe me, Michelle, this is going on right now here in Santa Barbara. I've had 
a couple of calls, similar situations where somebody thought they were communicating with a friend and found out, no, later on that it was a scam. But clues to pick up on would be poor English, the poor punctuation, the poor spelling. Uh, now, the scammers were giving you an excuse of why your friend might uh, communicate this way, but in fact, that wasn't true. I mean, this would have been a good clue for other people if they saw this to go, wait a minute, I'm not really communicating with my friend. I don't care what they tell me. And it sounds like the thing to do if you're caught up in something like this is not go online to your friend because they may have taken over her account. You need to get offline, pick up the phone and contact the friend. That's right. Okay. That's exactly right. And I think the other thing was that it helped her when I called her because she immediately canceled her Facebook account. Right. And, you know, the other thing, I'm glad you said that because that reminded me of something. Back in the beginning, they were asking you for all kinds of personal information when they had you supposedly fill out this application for the grant. My goodness, they were asking you for your name, your date of birth, your mother's maiden name. Right there, that triggers in me. Wait a minute. That's the kind of thing they ask if they want to verify a bank account or some kind of account. I'm wondering if you have taken any steps to safeguard your accounts. Have you contacted your bank and said, you know, somebody may have gotten access to my personal information or your credit cards? I I think that's something you should take a look at because with that kind of personal information, somebody could conceivably have access to your account. No, I haven't because this sort of all broke over the weekend. I have two bags and I'll call them both. Yeah, please do because, you know, that's the kind of information if I contact my bank and I want to talk about something, they will ask me to identify myself with those kind of identifiers. Name, last four digits of my social security, mother's maiden name, that's the typical one. They didn't ask me for my social security number. That's a prime thing. But the rest seem kind of innocuous to me. So Right. So, Michelle, let me ask you this. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us in terms of what we should watch out for, what we should do, what we should be on guard about? Well, I think very early on, they sent me copies of certificates. One was from the head of the uh, Treasury Department saying there was no tax liability. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when we got to the firefighters bit, they sent me a certificate from the FDIC with a fancy edging and all this sort of stuff with my information in there. And it was obviously a different font. Yeah, that confirmed you were dealing with scammers. So there were some red flags there that you've now told us about and hopefully will alert other people if they get caught up in this same scam which seems to be going on now here in Santa Barbara. The other thing that I would say, and I'd probably write it in in big, bold letters, is to call you and to report, even if they're just suspicious, to call you and ask for your advice. Okay. And please, I welcome those calls. As our listeners know, I am happy to take those calls. And I'm glad you found your way to me to make a phone call. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on our show and sharing your story. It was so well told and so clear. 
and so full of great information. Michelle, I just want to thank you for taking the time and the energy to do this. I think that this is a great public service and we so appreciate it. So Yes, we sure so do. Michelle, when you tell your story, it's so much better than us just reporting that a scam is going on because we really can understand it and relate to you. And we are both so very sorry that you got caught up in this. You yeah. certainly don't deserve to. I can tell you're such a nice lady, but thank you for your generosity and sharing the story. I thank you for the opportunity to share it. If it helps somebody else, then it's worth it. Absolutely. That's what we're all about. And with that, Patty, maybe I can give my phone number again. Yes, fraud uh, hotline. Yes, my fraud hotline, area code 805-568-2442. And I will repeat that, 805-568-2442. Thank you so much for being here today, Michelle. And we look forward Thank to you. hearing from Vicki again next week about the latest scam. Thank you both. Bye-bye Thank now. Thank you, Patty. Bye-bye. Thanks, Patty.